likely seen something like this before. These are, of course, rocks or stones. And when we look at a rock or stone, you've got them in your flower beds or wherever they may be. There's a lot of rocks, by the way, if you're, try to, if you're new to the central Texas area and try to plant a tree, you'll figure out what rocks are real fast because you're going to hit them within uh, an inch of the soil. But anyway, we look at these, these objects as objects as kind of inanimate, lifeless things, right? Or a rock or a stone. Uh, but when it comes to actual life, as we're going to see in First Peter, we've got a choice to make as a believer, as a follower, not just individually, but as the body of Christ. We can choose not to be a lifeless, inanimate object, but actually be a living stone. And that's almost a contradiction in our brains, right? The analogy of that anyway. We can choose to be a living stone. And I want you and I to dig into these verses in chapter 2 of 1 Peter and see what that means. I want you and I to walk away from this time together, I'm praying, uh, with clarity on two things when it comes to choosing as a follower of Christ, as the body of Christ, to be a living stone as opposed to taking up space and just breathing. We can be a living stone. I hope that you and I will walk away this morning understanding the significance of making that choice in Christ and also the experience of it. Because the Bible, as we're going to see, tells us about both of those things. Why you would want to do this, why you'd want to make that choice, and number two, what it feels, what it looks like, what the experience of being a living stone is like in life. So let me give the big picture before we start with verse 4 in, in chapter 2 of First Peter. We started out several weeks ago, talking in 1 Peter chapter 1 about the fact that Jesus is your man, mine, our living hope. And that means that there's not a single circumstance, believe it or not, whatever that circumstance may be, that can take away that hope. It's living. That, that means that these believers were being persecuted and going through circumstances that you and I probably in truth cannot comprehend, but they were going through difficult circumstances, and Peter was getting them to look at their circumstances through the eyes of Christ so they could see the good in the worst of times. Because here's the truth, our living hope can bring good out of everything. Our, our living hope in Christ does not require things to go as I prefer them, right? You have preferences, Right? I, when I wake up in the morning, I have a preference for how my day goes. But my day doesn't always go that way. But my hope does not disappear because it doesn't happen the way I prefer. We have a living hope that doesn't change based on circumstances. So in, in, in the, the next part of chapter 1, we looked at the fact that if you truly have a living hope, you have a purpose. You are a called out people, a set apart people for God. That's what the word holy means. It means to live set apart for God. So we don't just again, breathe and take up space, but we have a holy life to live, a purposeful life in Christ. And then last week, we looked at the fact that this transformation occurs within us when we have the living hope, when we choose to live a set-apart life for God, Christ will begin to transform us. But what we considered last week is the fact that you and I will have to, at times, walk away from some things in life and what we would do on our old nature self, 
in order to walk towards Christ. You can't cling to some things in this culture, in this world, and follow Christ at the same time. So you've got to let go, and I've got to get rid of in order to walk closer to. Now, today, as we pick up in the second part of chapter 2, Peter shifts the focus a little bit. He's been talking to more or less the individual believer in your relationship with Christ, but now he's about to talk about living stones, which is going from each of us to us. It's going from each of us as an individual follower of Christ to the body collective, what God wants to do with us together. Look around the room. We've got some real interesting people, right? Myself included. Only God can put all this together and make it work, right? That's the living stone that we're going to look at in just a moment. He can do this miraculous thing by taking odd people from all kinds of backgrounds and things and creating the body of Christ to accomplish things that we can't even begin to fathom. That's the living stone. And so I'm hoping that you and I will come away knowing the significance of as well as what the experience of being a living stone in Christ means. Because that's symbolic language, quite obviously. Now look at verse 4, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. It'll be on the screen. And here's what Peter says, as you come to him. So in verses 1 through 3, he says, you've got to walk away from some things in order to come to him. And he picks up with that thought in verse 4. And he says, as you come to him, that is Christ. And we'll look at what he calls him. He calls Jesus two different things, a living stone and a cornerstone. And we'll talk about both. He says, as you come to him, what? The... He's the only one with the article, the living stone. And he describes Jesus as this living stone. He was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. That is God. And then he talks about us in verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into not just a house, but a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes back to a prophetic book of Isaiah, and he talks about this messianic prophecy in reference to Christ. And look at what he says, verse 6. For in the scripture, he's talking about Isaiah 28, verse 16, he says, See... I lay a stone. This is a prophetic message about Christ to come. I lay a stone in Zion. Another word for Jerusalem. He says he is a what? A chosen and precious what? Cornerstone. So similar image, but he's talking about Christ. He says a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, verses 7 and 8, he talks about people that walk away from Christ, who deny Christ, who do not choose to trust Christ. And Jesus actually becomes not a living stone or a cornerstone, but a stumbling block. But he gets back to you and I, verses 9 and 10, that follow Christ. And look at the contrast. He says, but, this is a good but, verse 9, but you are a what? We just sang about it. Isn't this awesome? I, I don't even have to teach on this. This is just awesome to read it. You are a what? A chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Now let's go back first to the significance of what it means to be a living stone in the hands of Christ. Here is where it starts. Christ. No big surprise, right? 
It starts in Christ. How do I know? Verse 4. Look at what he says. As you come to. He didn't say as you come to anywhere. Listen, he didn't say as you come to church, did he? Hello, are you there? He didn't say as you go to the temple, if you want to make it Jewish for a little bit, or a synagogue or anything. He, He didn't say that. He said it's a relationship. As you what? Come to him who is what? The living stone. Now let me take those two phrases just for a moment and break them down just for a moment. First of all, that phrase, as he comes, as you make the choice, as you, and that's plural by the way, collectively as the body of Christ, as we choose to come to Christ. You see, that means two things in the New Testament. First of all, it means that first step of faith. It means that you recognize you have sinned and you are separated from God and without Christ you have no hope of having a personal relationship with him. You recognize that fact, you confess your sin, and you take that first step of faith towards Christ. That's what that phrase is, how it's used in the New Testament. But it is used for more than just that. I say just that, that's important. But it also means to come to him each new day. It means to start your day with Christ. You ever started your day without Christ? Don't leave me hanging. I'm not alone, right? Of course we have. Some days I wake up thinking, I've got 35 things to do, I've got a yada, 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 I'm getting stressed out, I'm developing an ulcer or whatever it is, you know, I'm leading into my life, and I haven't stopped to start with Christ and say, Lord, you've got much more insight than I do, for example, lead me. It could be that simple, but you start with Christ, and you see those words, as you come to him, doesn't mean you just come to church. What that means is each new day you start your day with Christ. It means each new day it's referring to an intimate and consistent relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you and I are going to be a living stone, and we'll see what the significance of that is in a moment, you and I have got to choose to start each new day with Christ. Real simple, straightforward, right? But how often do we not do that? That's a whole other sermon. Now look at the second part. He says, as you come to him, verse 4, and then he describes who you're coming to. It's not just anybody. It's the what? The living stone. Now stop. Peter is going to Old Testament imagery. And there's two words there, living and stone. Not inanimate object, not dead like we think of, but living stone. He is the living stone. Now, the first of all, that word living, you've heard me talk about before. It's the, same, it's the same word in a different form that means life as God has it. So who Jesus is, is the source of life as God has it. It is the kind of life when you and I choose to be living stones in Christ, we choose to start the day, each new day, with Him. We have the potential of becoming a living stone. And that means, listen, I hope you'll hear this, that means that your life will have an eternal nature to it. That means that regardless of the circumstances that hit my life, the challenges that come along, when I will look at it through His eyes, I will begin to see He can do good good things with the worst of times. I will see that he can bring good out of all times. I will see that my hope is not based in my plans. It is based in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Life. So it's first of all, it's a life lived with an eternal perspective. Looking at life through God's eyes. Quit looking at it through the limitations of your own lenses. That is such a drag and such a waste of time. 
Look at it through the eyes of Christ. That is one part of it. It's the nature of eternal life. It is a, by nature, eternal in nature as you live. But it is also, in practice, purposeful. When I begin to see my life through God's eyes, through the eyes of Christ, guess what? I will begin to see what he wants to do. I will begin to follow where he leads instead of coming up with my own plans. I will begin to follow where he leads instead of what the culture tells me to be and do, right? Come on. I, I, I will see the truth instead of what the culture tells me the truth is, even when it's not. It will no longer allow the culture to twist and turn and confuse me. I will have clarity in my life and practice that clarity. That's this source. Look, I could stop right there. This could be a whole sermon right there, just that one phrase. And that is the source of what it means to be a living stone. But what it requires, my friend, is simply this. I've got to choose each new day to get up and start my day with him. Not start my day with my plans. Not start my day with my worries. But start my day with him. Let him walk you through your worries and your plans. Right? Come on. That's what it means to become a living stone. He is the source. And there is no other source for this life than him. Now look at verse 5. How do I know that? Because he says it. Look at what he then does in verse 5. After he makes it clear who this Jesus is, he is the living stone, the foundation of all life. He is the only way you're going to have a life that's worth living. He then says in verse 5, you also, who's he speaking to? Believers that are going through hard times. He's saying, you also like what? Did you see it? He didn't say you as a stone, you as a what? Hello, you there? Hey, I'm trying to get you awake here. Come on, living stone. Same word as he used for Jesus. Life as God has it. What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? He said, I came to give you what? Life, exact same word. Life as God has it and give it to you how? You're going to be overwhelmed by it if you'll only trust me. He says, I came. And so you and I can become these living stones. Now, stones have a purpose. And the imagery there is of the temple that's being built in Jerusalem. So he's taking Old Testament Im imagery and applying it to Jesus Christ and applying it to our lives. You see, the stones, when they were brought in to, to build the temple, they were carved to fit in with one another. They were created like puzzle pieces to fit perfectly with one another. They were created that way. Now you look around the room and I just talked about how strange and wonderful we are. Only God can make these bricks fit together for us to be the church that he's called us to be. We are a living stone in the hands of Christ, in the hands of God. And when we follow his purpose, we start out with him. And then he is the one that creates something that is much bigger than ourselves. And what is that much bigger thing? He didn't say, I'm just trying to build a house. He said, I'm trying to do what? Build a what? Did you see it? A spiritual house, a temple or a building you see, that word spiritual simply means it doesn't mean less real. It actually in the Bible means more real. It doesn't mean less abundant. It means more abundant. You see, that word spiritual refers to a believer who's inspired on a daily basis. He's inspired or she's inspired by Christ and empowered by Christ. That's what the word spiritual here means. 
God will give you the inspiration and the empowerment to be the church, to be the body of Christ and make this difference in this dark world that he has called us to make, right? We're a spiritual house. We're in power. Interestingly, the word spiritual here, this particular word, is not used until after Pentecost in the book of Acts. So the first time it's used is after the event of Pentecost. It didn't show up until then. Well, what happened then? Do you remember the story? Jesus said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm sending a helper. I'm going to send somebody that's going to take my place, essentially, and walk with you every day through life, and that is my spirit. And this spirit will inspire, empower you and I and make all these pieces, these weird pieces we've got here at New Hope and fit them together. But I want you to notice something else. It's not just a matter of starting with Christ, but resting on Christ. How do I know? Look at what he says next, verse six. And I'm gonna move a little quicker. Y'all bear with me. Look at the next verse, six. He says, for in scripture, it says, what's he talking about? Isaiah 28, 16 a prophetic message about the Christ that was to come. And I want you to notice what he says about Christ and what he says about you and I in this one prophetic verse. He says, see, I lay a stone in Zion. That's a promise to come, and Christ did come. And he says, a chosen, now look at it, a chosen and precious what? He now shifted the picture, so to speak. Precious cornerstone. You see that word precious, first of all? means irreplaceable. It means unequal in value. In other words, there is no other real cornerstone than Jesus. Now, what is a cornerstone exactly? I won't go into all the details that we could because we could spend a whole time just talking about this one image. You're going to see an image of a cornerstone on the screen. You see, a cornerstone in that day and time especially was very important. It was the first stone. It was sometimes a little bigger stone than, than most of the stones in the temple or the building that was being built. And the reason it was so important is because these stones, when they started building, would lay on that stone. It was the foundation for, their, for the building itself, for the building to be what it was supposed to be. But not only that, listen, it was aligned with the cornerstone. So you always started with the cornerstone and the builders would align the, the, the other stones with that stone. That was the one that you aligned with in order to get the wall straight, et cetera, et cetera. You've heard of a plumb line, possibly. Now, now I, I didn't think of this in the first service, but this just came to my mind. My dad and I, neither one of us, which are construction people, but nonetheless, we made an attempt when my kids were younger. We were in Austin. Some of you may have known us in Austin way back when. We, we had this swing set that we, we built. My dad, instead of paying the money to buy one, we decided to go look at how Depot and whoever, Lowe's or whoever had the swing sets up and just kind of figure it out ourselves. So I said, okay, dad, we'll do that. Uh, let me tell you, we did not have a cornerstone uh, when, when it was... Uh, <laughs> We did not have a plumb line, uh, and it always had this little tilt to it. But my kids, they swung all their childhood lives. It didn't, now, here's the good news. It didn't fall down. That's the good news. Nobody died, so that was always good. But it was never just like it should have been, right? Because we didn't have anything we were aligning with. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. Besides that, we did not have that alignment. Now, how often in life, listen, how often in life do you and I, not only we don't start our day with Christ and we don't rest on him, but, but when it comes to things in life, our plans in life, our dreams in life, we, how, how often, I hope I'm not all alone here, have you asked God to adjust to you? Okay, I heard 
Okay, let me have an amen out there. So I'm not hanging. I'm not the only one that's ever done that, right? In truth, how often have we walked through life and saying, Lord, you need to adjust to my plans, not the other way around. Now, we're talking to the God of the universe who created everything, right? And we're telling him to adjust to us, right? How dumb is that? It, the building's going to be crooked when it's all done if you do it that way. You and I have got to learn to let go and trust and start with him and rest on him and learn to align with the truth he reveals in his word and develop the relationships within the body of Christ so we can encourage one another. You know what? Let's realign. We're getting off. Let's realign with who Christ is instead of who I want to be. Let's realign with what he's calling us to be and do instead of what our plans may be instead. The cornerstone was critical. It was the foundation, and that's the picture we see in the Old Testament of God himself. So Peter is equating Jesus Christ with God himself, and he's saying he's the foundation, and he's the one you align with each new day of your life. Now, let's look at one final thing, and I'm going to wrap it up. Look at what he says our response is in that same verse. Verse 6. He didn't just say that Jesus is the cornerstone. What did he say next? Did you see it? He said... For those of you that are followers of Christ, he's, that's who he's talking to. He's the cornerstone. And then he says, and the one, the body, the people, the believers, the one who what? Trusts in him. And then there's a promise. We'll never be put to shame. Now, that you see that word trust is very similar to coming to him. It, it is not just intellectual believing in Jesus and collecting information about Jesus you see, that word means active faith. That word means active practicing reliance on Christ each new day of your life. You ever gone and faced a circumstance in your life and you didn't know what you're going to do next? You didn't know how you're going to handle it? You didn't know what to do? You ever been there? You see, what this means is you trust him to show you. You rest on him even when you don't have the answers, and you wait for him to give you the answers. Now, I shared with the early service, when I ask God for things, when I pray, I, I love the word yes. I love the answer yes, and we can move on and get on with life. Uh, I, can, I can deal with the no. He says no, and I can get on. Here's what I hate. Wait. Yeah, yeah amen. I got an amen there. I hate wait. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I hate wait. Because sometimes we got to practice a while. It could be who knows how long, but this is what this is. This is resting on him when I don't have the answers, waiting and anticipating that he will give me the answer. How are you going to know that you can trust Christ? By studying it? By forming a committee around the concept of trusting Christ? No. By what? Trusting Christ taking that next step of faith. And sometimes that next step of faith is wait. Sometimes it is simply waiting on him for the answer, trusting he will have the answer. That's what it means to align with him as your cornerstone. And when we do this, look at this. Our experience is we will never be put to shame. You know what that means? You will never be disappointed and your hope will never be destroyed. When you, listen, come on. When you truly trust him, I'm not talking about coming to church and taking notes. 
and then leaving them in the seat when you leave. I'm talking about when you and I understand the truth and we begin to walk in the truth, we begin to walk towards Him instead of away from Him, when we let go of the things we need to let go in order to walk towards Him, when we truly rest in Him, and when we truly come to Him each new day of our life, that's when He says, you're going to experience, that you're going to find out that I'm exactly who I claim to be. I am the cornerstone. I am your foundation. I will give you a purposeful life. I will help you handle whatever circumstances come your way and good will come out of those circumstances but I will never listen he says he will never be a disappointment to you when you truly trust him there's the big question there's our part and there's his part you will never have your hope taken away do we live in a culture today full of hope not really I'm not a pessimist by nature but no not at all that's because the only hope that will last is Jesus Christ, my friend. He is the cornerstone, nothing else. He's the one we got to align and realign with in our lives on a day-to-day basis in order to become these living stones in his hands that he wants us to be. So here's the bottom line. Recognize that each day you've got to begin with Christ. Jesus needs to quit. And I'm talking, listen, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. Jesus needs to quit becoming an afterthought in your life. He needs to become a first thought. When it comes to the challenges you face or the decisions you make, the priorities you take, the values you form, Jesus needs to quit becoming an afterthought in your life and become the forethought, the first place you go. And then he tells us as you walk through this life and the challenges that come your way, rest in him. You're not going to know the answers immediately, but he eventually will get you there. He knows the path to take. Realign with him as your cornerstone. Now, when we do that, look at verses 9 and 10. Two simple things that you and I will experience according to God's word when we do that. But, he says, verse 9, contrasting to those who walk away from Christ, he says, you will experience being a what? I love it. A chosen people. A chosen people. Together we will figure out what it means to be chosen by God and for Him to do a work not just in us, but through us. Isn't that awesome? God has chosen you. He looked at you as weird as we are, and He says, I choose you. I choose you. I adopt you into my family. I choose you. And then when he does that, he moves us from the darkness to the light. Darkness means you don't have the capacity to see the truth, much less respond to it intellectually or morally. Jesus will move you into the light. He will give you clarity on the important decisions you need to make. But not only are you a chosen people, we will experience that, but according to God's word, if you will trust him and he can be your living stone and your cornerstone, he says, verse 10, once you, now look at the contrast, once you were not a people, you were lost in the wilderness and you had no tribe. I love this language. You had nowhere to go. You're just wandering around all kinds of place with no particular thing to do but breathe and take up space. That's what that essentially means. But look at where he went from. You're down on the bottom and you have no people. And then you've gone in Christ. If you'll choose to align yourself with Christ and trust him, he says, you'll become what? You'll go from nothing to the people of God. Listen, my friend, it don't get better than that. 
That is the top of the rung. That is as good as it gets to go from nothing and no people to God's people. The creator of the universe. And then look at what he says further. He contrasts it. Before Christ and trusting him, you could not experience the mercy of God. The end of verse 10. But then, but then you trust Christ and you experience his mercy. Now let me, let me wrap up with that last word. I could do a whole message on this one word, mercy. You see, it, it, it emphasizes how God feels and he feels deeply for all people but it also emphasizes what God does because of his compassion for you and I. And he can only do when we trust him. Jesus, in the Revelation, it says he stands at the door and knocks. How does Jesus come in? Does he kick the door in? No, he says, you've got to open the door. When you trust him, you'll not only know how he feels about you, but you'll experience how he feels about you. You will see the action in your life that stems from the mercy of God, the compassion of God for your life. But you got to go back to verse 4. What did he say? Did you see it? As you come to him. That's how that works. If I could picture this passage that we've just talked about in a visual form, this is what it might look like. Watch this just for a moment. We were once sinners. Before he came, we faced condemnation. We deserved punishment for our sins. Before he came, we were trapped with no way out. But we have been offered another way. He was betrayed. We did not condemn man for his betrayal. He was arrested, arrested by those who he had come to set free. He was beaten, beaten to take the punishment that we deserve. He was crucified. He was crucified to shed his blood that we all may be cleansed. And he was buried, laid to rest by his very own creation, all for our sake. But death, <laughs> but death could not keep him. At sunrise on the third day, he rose again. The darkness came, but so did the light. Because he came, we have love, we have mercy, we have freedom. He has paid for it all. His name is Jesus, and we believe in him because So you got a choice, right? As a believer in Christ, you can be an inanimate, lifeless object that just simply takes up space, or we can be living stones in the hands of Christ, together as the body of Christ. So Peter essentially tells us this when it's all said and done. He says, 
your effort on your part is to begin with Christ and to rest in Christ. So tomorrow when you get up, I'm going to challenge you to think about your day this way. Who am I starting with? Myself? Other people? Or am I going to start with Christ? Let Christ be a forethought, not an afterthought in your life tomorrow morning. Let's forget about the rest of your life. Or let's start with Monday, right? Are you going to start with Him and are you going to rest in Him? And when you and I do, according to Peter, you will experience the fact that you're chosen. God came and chose you. Christ chose you. That's a whole other message too. He chose you and you are a blessed people. No matter how hard life gets, there's always something to be grateful for, right? There's plenty that we're blessed with regardless of how challenging life can get. We will discover that we are a blessed people but only if you come to him. Let's pray together. Father, your word is so powerful because it's true. Your word is powerful and life-changing because you inspired it. So Father, I pray that, that whoever we are, individually and even collectively here at New Hope as the body of Christ, I pray that we will learn to start each new day with you and through the day rest in you. Father, I pray that you will become the front of mind in our life and not the back of mind. That you will be indeed our cornerstone, the one we align and realign with, our foundation for how we live, the choices we make, the values we form. Father, may we be living stones in your hands to create something that is beyond our imagining. Father, help us take the next step of faith that we're called to take. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.